the environment has become an increasingly serious and now urgent issue and doesn't really come into the conversation about renovating for profit very often because the for-profit part of it obviously limits what you can do in order to make your projects more sustainable. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. So back with another episode of She Renovates. Now, today's topic is renovating with Mother Earth in mind, five green strategies. Now, the environment has become an increasingly serious and now urgent issue and doesn't really come into the conversation about renovating for profit very often because the for-profit part of it obviously limits what you can do in order to make your projects more sustainable. But what I want to do today is to share with you some really practical ways that you can make a difference to the sustainability of your projects, some things that we do, And in the hope that we can start changing our mindset about it and improving the sustainability of our projects. Now, at the end, I've got a little bonus section where I'm, Stephen and I started our reno on our home yesterday, or Monday we started, and we've done demo. And we have quite a substantial program in our plan in order to make the home more environmentally friendly. And so I'll be sharing that with you at the end. So let's get started. So as I said, it's really become an urgent need for us all globally to be more concerned about how our actions are negatively impacting the environment. And when renovating for profit, we're always, we've got that balancing act between what people will pay for and what they won't and how that impacts our budget. So, and I want to share some things that really don't cost you anything. Most of them should check. No. So you can make a big impact just by being more mindful about how you go about your project. And I guess the long and the short of it is requires you to be organised. So you want to be organised ahead of time so that you can deal with the aspects of your project more thoughtfully. I said I've got five, but I actually do have a few more. Can't help myself. And so here we go. And please feel free to chime in as we go along. Okay. So the first big one is eliminating gas-fuelled appliances from your project. Now, there's two reasons for this. Firstly, the burning of gas in a home is contributes to an unhealthy environment. I suffer from asthma occasionally, and I cannot be in a room that has a gas heater because it just makes me cough. And so that's an indication of how unhealthy it is. 
And you're often, when you're work, walking around the streets, you will get a whiff of gas here and there. So gas leaks create or contribute to greenhouse gases. Yeah, so, and that's sort of inadvertent, but it happens. And the third reason why we eliminate, want to eliminate gas is because it's a fossil fuel. It's not renewable. We want to be working with renewable fuels. And so for us, we're opting for electric, all electric, wherever we can, because it is kinder to the environment. And it is getting to the stage, we're close to the point where gas probably will end up being outlawed. For now, it's not. So if you have the opportunity to switch out electric, mainly cooking and hot water for gas, I know those little instantaneous gas hot water systems are amazing, but if you're concerned about a sustainable project, then eliminating gas is 101. Okay, so on to point two. And point two is the proper management of waste. So when you think about the truckloads of material that leave your site and go to the tip, you just like, it just my mind boggles at what an incredible waste it is. And so if you are able to get organised well ahead of kicking off the project, then you can actually give away or sell just about everything, you know, all the things that you don't need. Obviously, some things are beyond economical use, but cabinetry, fencing, shedding, sanitary wear, tap wear, anything that you can offer to someone else, even if it's for nothing, means it doesn't go into landfill. The second thing about that is the separation of waste, and I see this all the time and I hate it, where all the demolition material just gets chucked in. Like obviously the big things like the bricks, usually they separate those because they can deposit them, they can dispose of them without cost. But you really want to be very vigilant in making sure that the waste from your property is dealt with thoughtfully so it doesn't at well it minimizes the impact that you have on landfill which brings us to the third point which is reuse and recycle now part of that means employing contractors that are willing to do that and they are few and far between and of course you do have to balance out the cost the labour cost of reusing as opposed to using new. I know on our Ichuka project, we are doing with our son and son-in-law, daughter and son-in-law, and Luke is a builder and he's also very environmentally conscious. And so for that project so far, we've bought very little material because most of the framework has been recycled. So it's not gone off the site, it stayed on the site and it's been turned around. Madeline and I did the denailing and then it went back into the walls. And so it not only helps the environment, but it also saves you money. But you do need to make sure that you have contractors who are going to do that. And from what I can see, it really didn't cost a lot more 
but I think that depends on the project. And, like, there's lots you can do, like windows. We've relocated windows from one location to another. We've kept the kitchen, which is I know there are renovators that would have ripped it out. We've kept it because there's really nothing wrong with it and we're just going to work with it rather than rip it out and install a new kitchen. But the flip side of that is using recycled materials. Now, in other episodes, I've talked about how we've used, we have students who buy secondhand kitchens and upcycle them. And seriously, I'm going to include some images in the show notes or, yeah, in the show notes with this episode, and you would not know that was not a new kitchen. So if you do it carefully and thoughtfully, you can produce a brand new kitchen out of one that's been pre-loved. We've also done that with fencing. We've bought fences that have been removed and then moved them and installed them in a new location, painted up brand new. So there's lots that you can do and you want to think about this because cabinetry is another one. So as I mentioned, we're renovating our own home at the moment. And one of the things I wanted to do an upcycle in our here in this room that I'm in now and an IKEA upcycle hack. And so I've just been watching Facebook and I set myself a goal to buy the joinery, a whole wall of joinery for $200. And I've managed to achieve that. I've got all the joinery on site. The next thing is to install it and get it looking amazing. And certainly when I've done it, I'll share it with you. But just by using pre-loved cabinetry, will it means that's one wall of joinery that doesn't have to be made again and draw on the earth's resources. Another thing to think about is when you are doing your reno plan, what you pull out, like one of my favourites is when carpenters and builders will come in and tell you that you need to change the doors because they're, for some reason, they're not perfect or whatever. And they'll say to you, oh, you can buy a hollow core door at Bunnings for $28 or something. And I just think that unless the door needs, it's really had it, patch and paint the door is a much better way to go. Because while the door may only cost you $28, then you also have all new hardware to go on it, hinges, labour to install it. And so a $28 door can easily turn into two or $300. Multiply that a few times. And then what do you do with the old door? That has to go into landfill. So really rationalise what you're ripping out and and it'll not only save the earth but it'll also save your pocket. Okay, so the next thing is making your home more thermally friendly. Now, it's always a bit of a conundrum in terms of insulation because it's something that you don't see And so technically your buyer is unlikely to be willing to pay for it. But I have a rule that if you can't get back in to insulate the area, then you should do it regardless of whether the buyer pays for it or not, just because you've got to have some integrity around what you're doing. Building a wall and not insulating it is just madness 
And while I'm all for preserving the budget, I, I really do think you should you need to take some pride in your work. And so when we're talking insulation, obviously ceiling and wall insulation is one thing, but underfloor insulation is another. I think we lose something like 35% of heat is lost through the underfloor. So you want to make sure that you are creating a home that is not only economical to run, light on resources, but it's also comfortable and warm. Another thing there is to paint your roof colour a highly reflective colour. Now, when you're choosing to replace your roof or paint the roof, the roof paints come with a score, a reflectivity score. And so the more reflective it is, the less heat that gets through into the roof cavity. So while I absolutely love Monument as a roof colour, I've actually abandoned it and don't use it anymore because I've realised that it's not environmentally friendly or and it doesn't really serve the inhabitants of the home. So we've just re-roofed Simi Street, Nachuka, and we chose Surf Mist for that. And it's when you're starting out with a new colour scheme, it's easy to work around a different colour roof. And the next thing to think about is the appliances that you choose. Things like a heat pump hot water service works like a reverse cycle air conditioner. And you can, depending on a means test, you can even get rebates for it. So looking at the energy rating on appliances, trying to make sure that you get something that is going to be kinder, not only on the environment, but also on your budget. And so the last thing I want to talk about is solar cells. Now, it depends on your area and you'll need to research the viability of putting solar on a home and whether your buyer will pay for it. I suspect they won't. However, if you're renting the property out, back in episode 174, I interviewed Prue Muirhead about investment properties. What she said is she's finding that rent tenants are willing to pay $20 to $40 per week extra if the property has solar, solar cells on it so it produces its own energy. So that's certainly something to consider. And if you'd like to know more about that, go back to episode 174 and listen to it. So, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is the measures that we are taking in our home. So we think this is our forever home. And so we decided that in the reno that we would do some things to make it more environmentally friendly and also more comfortable. So it's sort of big and cavernous and quite drafty. So we wanted to address all those things. So what we did is we had a consultant come in and do an audit on our home. His name is Morris Barnett from a company called Ecomaster. So he came and did had machines, x-ray machines, that told you where the cold air was thermal, that's it, thermal machines, to show where the cold air was coming in and how we could make the home more airtight. And he prepared a plan for us. And so as part of this renovation, we're implementing the plan. And so the first thing we're doing is sealing it up 
because it doesn't have skirtings and it's quite drafty. It's an old warehouse and they weren't really built for comfort. And so sealing up all the gaps so that we don't, yeah, we don't have air leaking in and heat leaking out. The second thing is we're replacing all the windows and replacing them with double glazed windows so that we don't lose so much heat through that glass. I should bring Stephen on to talk about double glazing because seriously, it's a bit of a minefield. You don't just double glaze. There's different types of gas that go between the two layers of glass. There's different types of glass. And it took him a while to figure out what was basically the best way to go because, yeah, the best type of glass for each side and the gas, the gap in between for what we were wanting to achieve. And it is a bit of a minefield. Anyhow, double glazed windows. We're insulating our ceiling. Our ceiling is five metres high and it's the underside, it's the bond deck underside of the roof which is four inches of concrete and so we're adding a layer underneath and insulation and acoustic insulation in order to make it one more thermally comfortable and secondly acoustically as well because it's a bit of a echo chamber. The other thing that we're doing and this is Stephen's invention is installing a heat transfer system. So up the top level is as warm as toast all day every day down the bottom is freezing and so what he's doing is installing a system that will rotate the air from the top to the bottom and keep it more even and presumably more comfortable we are considering changing our cooktop from gas to electric i we only in the last few years installed a new european cooker at great cost and now we're thinking it's got a gas cooktop and now we're thinking we really should have gone electric and while I feel like it's quite wasteful to throw out an expensive cooktop I think that we will because we don't want to have gas in our home so yeah and the last thing is we're recycling as much as we can in order to limit the amount of landfill that we produce. We're really impressed with our demolition contractors. We've used them on several projects, but we hadn't used them for a while. Really impressed with how thoughtfully they managed the waste. So that's our plan. I'll include a link to EcoMaster in the show notes if you would like to go over and have a look at it. Even if you're not thinking about it now, it's a good idea to sort of start getting a long-term plan. And as I said, it's not just about, well, it is just about environmental preservation, but it's also about lowering your running costs and having a more comfortable life. And before I go, one, I'd really love to hear what your ideas are about making your projects more sustainable. And also to share with you tonight, we're running a special session. We had people asking if we're doing an end of financial year thing, and I hadn't planned to do one. However, yesterday, we just did a quick email and came back with 
a lot of questions. And so questions about our 100K reno program. And so what we're doing is running an information session tonight. In that one, uh, it will be about getting clarity about really why you need to follow a system full stop, how we approach the renovating for profit. There were questions about tax deductibility of the program, which we will respond to. And yeah, just answering any questions that you might have and filling you in on how we operate in terms of that core program for making profit. We'll add a link below this video and you can jump in and grab yourself a spot. It'll just be like a meeting. It's not going to be a long, boring webinar. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you there. So on that note, I'm going to bid you goodbye. Our next episode will be recorded because Stephen and I will be in Ichuka again for two weeks, hopefully knocking over most of our project. But I'll be doing lives every single day. So if you want to check in, you'll see the lives in Facebook or you can come over to TikTok because I am on there daily as well. So thanks for watching and I'm going to bid you goodbye and Yes, see you in a week or so. Take care. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.